Well, so good to see you guys if we haven't met yet. My name is Dan. My wife Hannah and I get to pastor this incredible church along with the best team in the world. So if we haven't met yet, hopefully we get to meet after the service. If you are new, if you're visiting, we've got free lunch and coffee waiting for you outside so we can get to know you more and really uh, hope you see that today is all about you. Knowing that you are loved by Jesus as you are right now, 100%. He loves you right now. And he has a purpose for your life. And so massive heartbeat of our church is helping you not only fall in love with him and discover how loved you are, but seeing the unique purpose that God has put on your life. And I don't shy away from that. I absolutely believe there is truly a unique purpose on your life. I, I love the fact. It's, it's a commonly said one, but I just, I'll never get used to or sick of the fact that in all the humans right now in the world, not one person is the same. No one has the same DNA. No one has the same fingerprint. No one is the same. And that's God's beautiful way, sovereign way of going. And no one has the same purpose. No one has that same relationship that you and Jesus can have. You were made unique for a unique relationship with a unique God. And so we want you to discover that and grow in that. And we just, we truly believe that a huge part of that joy as well in that relationship you discover is seeing that it's not all about you. And that's a good thing. And you're going to start to discover that he actually wants to use you to take his love and his truth and his power and his grace to this world uh, in your way. And that's a really cool thing. And so we we hope you enjoyed today. We are um, uh, halfway through a preaching series on expecting God. Expecting God. Something something we've been going through uh, scripturally is just looking at how often God is actually there and he's present and he desires to do good and amazing things. Yet sometimes if we're not expecting it or longing for it or believing for it, we can limit God. That, that's crazy to me. I mean, my God's a big God. I have a high Christology. When I study theology, Jesus is big. He's a big God. And still the thought that sometimes if I'm not wanting or believing or stepping out, I'm missing out on things. We looked at how in James 4 two, James is clear. He's like, hey, you have not because you ask not. And so this massive thing of God's sovereign will being carried out in our world lies up in our prayer life. Yeah, this massive thing of God's sovereign will being, being outplayed in your workspace and in your families and in your street and in your neighborhood and your friendship circles. A massive part of God's will of salvation and healing and wholeness being carried out there lies up in your prayer life. Because you have not because you ask not. And that is amazing. <laughs> so this, this goal of this preaching series is not to in any way, shape or form make you ever feel bad or like you need to do more. I'm trying to excite people. About expecting from God. And we're hearing little testimonies come back constantly. Just constantly in the last four weeks or however long since we've been preaching this. Just like, I I just wasn't expecting anything for ages. So I started turning on my prayer life. I started praying for things. And God started doing amazing things in my world. I'm like, awesome. That's the goal. That's the goal. It's to constantly kill the spirit of religion that would try and creep into every one of our hearts that thinks that God is really, really happy with us because we tick a box and attend church once a week or fortnight or month and like, yeah, I went Sunday and then there it is. God's happy with me. Woo! It's done it. That's all I need to do. That's not the point. We say regularly, the point of the whole Bible is relationship. The point of creation, the point of the cross, the point of one day redemption and glorification where we go to be with him for eternity, it's relationship. And so please don't let any kind of spirit of religion creep in where you're like, God must be happy with me. I went to church last week or two weeks ago. No, he wants to talk to you. He wants to know you. He wants you to know that you are known. He's a really good God. 
It's really good. And he loves you so much. And so today, uh, what I want to speak about... I can't remember, yeah, there it is. Hey, it's a little bit of a theological term if you've never heard of sanctification. What we're going to do is get robes. Uh, we're going to take you through the rituals. We're going to put some lamb's blood on your forehead. Um, we're going to sing some hymns and offer some smoke. And we're going to sanctify... No, just kidding. Sanctification sounds weird, okay, if you've never heard it. But when you get to know it, it's a beautiful, 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 beautiful truth and, uh, and topic. And what it is, sanctification, it can happen in a moment. Uh, in certain scriptures, we see that you have been sanctified. But more predominantly, a scriptural truth is you are being sanctified. And what it means is being set apart, being set apart and made holy. And so we looked at this a few weeks ago. We're at the moment of salvation. Amen. If you're with me at that moment of salvation, you are set apart and you are loved and you're adopted and you're justified and you're forgiven and you're regenerated. You're born again. You're washed clean. That's all in a moment. So in a moment, if you're taking notes and you like thinking this way, in a moment, you are sanctified positionally, set apart positionally. You cannot be any more of a child of God than you are the moment you put your faith in the finished work of the cross. So I want you to get these little, they're nuances, they're really small differences, but they will help you in your relationship with God so much, so much. You're set apart positionally in a moment through faith in Jesus, and that it does not mean that you have been perfected already. And so it, it, what they call this, this, this progress is that the moment of salvation, you have been saved from the penalty of sin. That happens in a moment. And now what we're doing the rest of our lives is we are being saved from the power of sin. There are some uh, thoughts going out there right now that I absolutely do not agree with, where certain people are trying to combine justification and sanctification. I know that might sound weird, but to me it's, it's really offensive. Because what they're trying to say is, the moment of salvation, you're actually perfect. You're done. Woo! It's all done. And I'm like, oh, yeah, <laughs> let me follow you while you drive home and let me show you how unperfect you are. And let me give you my toddler for 24 hours. Let me show you how unperfect you really are. And so we cannot combine that. There's a beautiful truth, uh, an aspect in your relationship with your father in heaven that lies up in the fact that you aren't perfect yet. And what it means is for the rest of your life through relationship, you are being made holy. You are being saved you are becoming like Jesus, as we say so often here, through being with Jesus. Not through trying to study scripture so you can imitate and copy him. So verse, if you're taking notes, it's, uh, we're not going to bounce out of this today, but this verse summarizes what we're speaking on today. If we have 1 Corinthians 3.18, 1 Corinthians 3.18, if you're taking notes. So all of us who have had that veil removed, so stop for a second, what, if you don't get that, that's at the moment of salvation, right? The veil was removed and you see God clearly. That's you, all of us who have been saved, who have given our life to Jesus. It's not about works. It's all about grace. All of us who have just seen that the cross was for us, that get God is a gracious God. Jesus is the one true God. The only way to heaven is through relationship with Jesus. All of us who, who have done that can see and reflect the glory of the Lord. But catch this. And the Lord, who is the Spirit, this is it, this is the bit, makes us more and more like him as we are changed into his glorious image. Today, what I want to speak about, if I can put it in more simple terms, is today I want us to expect God to make us more and more 
like Jesus. So right now, if you're taking notes, we are going to go to another passage and bounce out of this today. As you know, it's one of my favorite passages, because I say that regularly, but this one really is. John chapter 7, verses 37 to 39, if you're taking notes. John chapter 7, 37 to 39. On the last day, the climax of the festival, Jesus stood and shouted to the crowds. Before we even go into what he's saying, stood and shouted, you need to see the like, how passionate he is about what he's about to say, right? So Jesus is like, about to shout this to a whole bunch of people. So he must really care about what he's going to say. Anyone, put your hand up if you're in anyone. Anyone who is thirsty may come to me. Anyone who believes in me may come and drink. For the scriptures declare, rivers of living water will flow from his heart. So anyone who is thirsty can come to Jesus and drink. And then when they drink, Rivers of living water will flow from his heart. When he said living water, he was speaking of the Spirit who would be given to everyone believing in him. But the Spirit had not yet been given because Jesus had not yet entered into his glory. Let's pray. Jesus, we absolutely love you. And we thank you so much for loving us. When we didn't deserve it, even these days, week by week when we don't deserve it, when we continuously... Uh, stop looking at you and stop trusting you as much as we should and we look to other things in this world we allow things to happen in our heart Lord we we repent we say sorry Lord we we love you so much and I just pray that you would help us grow in our relationship with you grow in our understanding of not only what you did at that moment of salvation help us grow in our understanding of what you are doing every time we open our Bible every time we stand in worship Every time we're in a prayer meeting, every time we're praying by ourselves at home or anywhere, God, help us open our understanding of what you are doing in that moment that we cannot do in our own strength. I pray that would uh, create in us a desire to spend even more time with you and allow you to work even more and more. In your name we pray. Amen. Uh, Most of you guys will know uh, that I, I have a lifelong best mate, Nathan White. And uh, he's, his parents came up here in 1988 from Sydney. Steve and Debbie White, they were in our church. And along, obviously lifelong friends of Eric and Chris and Graham and Wayne. So Nath, uh, I met Nath just before I was three. I was two years old and I met Nath. And we have just been best mates ever since. He was my best man at our wedding. Yeah, I was his best man at his wedding. We grew up together. But the funniest thing was until uh, I was like 10, even 11, Nathan and I just didn't look a thing like, like we, we just, we weren't into any sports the same, you know, we kind of go to the same church, but we didn't do anything the same, like he was in soccer, I was doing football, neither of us was surfing, he moved down to Kingscliff, I was up here, so we were mates, but we just genuinely didn't have that much in common, and then when we were 11, we both got into surfing. And like, I mean, every single school holidays, we, I, he, he's sleeping at my house or I'm sleeping at his house. We would just stay together constantly. We would surf three times every day, no matter how the surf was. We'd just eat all of his parents' food or my parents' food. We'd watch movies, just binge, binge watch. Anyone like a uh, Simpsons Super Saturday kid? Does anyone remember that? Like three hours straight, every Saturday of Simpsons, it was like a taste of heaven to come taste and see the law. Oh, I just like, oh, I, I love these moments. And it was so good. We started going in surf comps together. We started like we did we started youth ministries at the same time. We just started doing everything together. And so the strangest thing happened. I went from being like 
He's older than me, but I was taller than him. I was much fatter. I was a very chunky nine and ten-year-old boy, and he was this twig, like a little stick, and really short for his age. Like, we looked nothing the same. When we were 16, 17, 18, we just started becoming more and more identical. Like, seriously, we were the same height, we were the same weight, we had the hair colour the same, we surfed the same constantly. And to the point that I went down to Sydney for two years to do Bible college, 2004, 2005. And at the end of 2005, he moved down to do Bible college the next year. So literally, on the same weekend I moved back, he moved down. And he started going to the youth ministry there that I had been a leader at. I, in my second year of college, worked at the church running the high school ministry under James Murray. And uh, I, I loved it, but I was so involved with the youth ministry. Every Friday night, I was there, one of the leaders on stage regularly. And so you've got to imagine, literally not a week missed, the next weekend, Nathan is there and everyone's like, Dad, you've moved back. So everyone's going up to Nate, like hundreds and hundreds of students. They're like, Dan, I thought you moved back to the Gold Coast. What are you doing here? He's like, I'm not Dan Gorey. If anyone knows Nate, he's just cranky constantly. And so he's like, I'm not Dan. Seriously, I'm not. To the point a month later, he paid money and went out of his way to make a T-shirt that said, I'm not Dan Gorey. I never let him live it down. It's fantastic. I keep buying him a new one for his birthday. But <laughs> I wish I was Dan Gary. <laughs> but the funniest thing, I, I love it. I, I, I love that so much that all of the kids and the leaders even were like, Dan, Dan. Like, we look so similar purely because of how much time we spent together. And we had no interests the same. There was no similarities. When we had all the same interests and spent time together, we weirdly started looking the same. It's weird. It's very weird. Now, what I discover so often in, in, in pastoring, getting to work with people, is you can just tell when someone spends a lot of time with God. You can tell when someone spends a lot of time in their word. You can tell when someone likes worship at home. You can tell when someone is into prayer. You can tell when someone is into God. And you can tell when someone likes calling themselves a Christian, but they're not really into God. You can tell when they barely read the Bible. You can tell when they don't worship. You can tell when they don't pray because of the similarities. There's things that start happening in their life. And what I want to talk about today in this role of sanctification, in this role of salvation, is it is not going to happen in your own strength. It is not going to happen through your own effort. It is not going to happen because you try really hard. It is going to happen when you get that you cannot do it. But as soon as you get close to Jesus, it's a natural thing. I, I want us to expect God to make us more like Jesus because we're just focusing on spending so much time with Jesus. How beautiful is that? Everyone here, you know someone. You can think of someone right now with a great relationship with God who loves praying, who loves talking to God. And even when you think of them, a smile breaks out on your face. You're like, ah, oh, there's just so much joy. There's just so much peace. They're such a generous person. They're such a loving person. They're such a forgiving person. And what we see is that we cannot be like God through trying to mimic and imitate God. But if you just focus on being with him, like, if you forget everything I'm about to say, just this. If you just spend more time with him, spend more time in your word, 
Spend more time putting worship music on home. Put, spend more time just talking while you're at home making dinner or something like that. If you just spend more time with Jesus, watch what happens. It's a beautiful thing. And so uh, I think I'll, I accidentally put this verse in point one. So anyway, first thing I want you to get out of these three verses, but I, I want to um, highlight something out of Philippians 2 if I can. But point number one, what I want us to get is that Jesus said, hey, come to me. He doesn't point us somewhere else. He doesn't say, if you're thirsty, go do this or read this or study this. He's not talking that way. He's like, hey, if you have a need that you cannot fix, come to me. It's a relationship. And the first thing you need to get is only God can do this. If you were saved all by grace, then why on earth would you think you are being saved by your own works? Yeah. <laughs> like if you couldn't save yourself, then how can you sanctify yourself or make yourself holy? But if God saved you through his grace and his power, Ephesians chapter 2 verse 4, but God being rich in mercy because of the great love with which he loved us, he made us alive together with Christ and seated us in heavenly places. By grace you have been saved. Like that's how we get saved. So why would we change the formula when it comes to us being saved? I meet so many Christians, they're like, yep, saved all by grace. But man, I just can't, I, I want to pray more. And I can't get rid of this addiction. I can't change this way of thinking. I can't change this way of doing life. I'm like, just give it to God. Like, just spend more time with him. Like literally, I know I'm oversimplifying it, but I promise you, just spend more time with him. Watch what he does in your world. Because here's the thing, okay, Philippians 2, 12 and 13 is massive to me. This is just such a beautiful verse about relationship and God's sovereignty and our responsibility. So Philippians 2, 12 and 13, Paul writes to the church, uh, the start of verse 12, he says, Brothers and sisters, since you obeyed in my presence, now obey even more in my absence and work out your own salvation with fear and trembling. So he's putting the onus on you. Now that you've been saved, keep working it out. Yeah. Yeah. C3 Corumban, if you call yourself a Christian, now that you've been saved, keep growing in that. Work it out. What does it mean to you to be a, a child of God, son of God, a daughter of God? What does it mean to you to be adopted into his family? What does it mean to you to be completely forgiven? When God, the Holy Father, looks down on you, he says, wow, perfect. Perfect, no sin. Debt's gone. What does it mean to you to now have the power of the Holy Spirit indwelling in you? What does that mean? What does it mean to you to now have in the authority in Jesus' name? What does it mean to you that he saved you? Work it out. God actually puts an onus on you. Scripture puts responsibility on you to push in, to do something, to grow in that. And here's the beautiful thing. God doesn't then leave you by yourself to work it out. For it is God who works in you both to will and to do for his good pleasure. The NLT words it beautifully. It says, for God is working in you. Catch this. Giving you the desire and ability to do what pleases him. <laughs> How awesome is this? So God's like, oh, you. Have, you, have you been saved? Have I made you alive? Have you given your life to me? Well, grow in that. Work it out. Grow. But not by yourself, because while you do it, I'll be working in you sneakily. He's <laughs> like, work it. Do work. Do something lazy teenager do something and then he's like telling us to do it and then he goes out and digs all the holes and cleans up the yard he's like yeah you think you did something but i did it like you open your bible and you can't like force a revelation out 
You can't force addiction away. You can't force a mindset to change. You, you can't do that. But he's like, but do something. And watch what I do in you and through you when you do something. How awesome is this God? So you work out your salvation. Hey, Christian, you have a responsibility on you to continue being saved. Be in prayer meetings. Be in the Word of God. Study the Word of God. Do online courses. Be in sozo groups. Work out your salvation. And while you do it, God's at work. He hasn't retired. He's not sitting in heaven, kicking his arms, legs up and arms behind his head, bowl of popcorn there, watching on like God is at work in you to go through you. And so first thing you need to get is recognize only God can do it. Trust me. Trust me. You can't sanctify yourself. You cannot make yourself more holy. You cannot make yourself more like Jesus. You just cannot do it. But he can. So that's why he says, hey, are you thirsty? Come to me. Why is he saying it? Because you can't do it. That's why you're thirsty. I can do it though. Come. See that God can do it. Number two is we have to actually recognize that we have a thirst that only Jesus can satisfy. Is anyone thirsty? Here's the thing. We are all constantly thirsty. Now, I hate over-preaching when I don't need to, but I do need us to get this thing because it's a... Some people uh, wrestle to see the balance here. Okay. So John chapter 4. Jesus is with the Samaritan woman. Anyone roughly remember that story? He goes to the well. There's a woman there. She's had five husbands. She's now living and sleeping with a guy who's not even a husband. So she's an outcast. She's getting water in the middle of the day. So most people believe she was just a complete outcast because most women at the time would go in the morning or the evening when it was cool. So she's just like, no one wants to talk to her. No one wants to know her. Jesus comes up. He's so exhausted. He can't keep going into town to get food and drink. So the disciples go off. He stays by himself. He says, can you give me water? She says, where's your bucket? Anyway, this whole thing happens. Let's try to bring you up to speed. Ready? Ready? Here's the thing, though. And Jesus said, oh, if you only knew who I was, you would ask me for living water. And Jesus says this, because anyone who drinks the water I give will never thirst again. Now, what that is talking about is the water of salvation. Once you experience the salvation of Jesus, that water of Jesus, you are never thirsty again in a salvation way. However, then we step foot into John 7 and he's going, you're going to keep becoming thirsty. Why? C.S. Lewis words it so well. If I discover in myself desires which this world cannot satisfy, well, the only logical explanation is that I was made for another world. So why am I constantly being thirsty? Because we go into, I think I've got it there, John 15. Yes, did put it there. Thank you, Lord. <laughs> Sometimes I forget what notes I send Becky. John chapter 15, Jesus saying, I am the vine, you are the branches, those who remain in me and I in them. Well, they're the ones who are going to produce much fruit. For apart from me, you can do nothing. So at salvation, there's a permanent thirst that is quenched. When you experience that the cross of Jesus was for you, you won't want any other God. You will not crave any other God. When you get that the uncreated loves you, man, that, that, that thirst is quenched. However, at the same time, because we're pouring out, there's a thirst in us that we have to keep coming back to Jesus. 
like a branch attached to its vine. We're not just trying to get one lot of water and then I'm good to go forever. He's saying, not only did I save you, but I saved you for relationship. I saved you so we could be close. I saved you so every single day you would see that you have a thirst this world cannot satisfy. You would see you have a thirst that money cannot satisfy. Social media cannot satisfy. Promotions cannot satisfy. Relationships cannot satisfy. And so daily you'll come to me. Here we go. Come on. Okay, let's. Money and social media are not evil things. And sometimes we tell ourselves they're evil. They're literally lifeless. They're nothing. One's a piece of paper and the other one's a digital networking platform. Like it's not a life force yet. They might be listening to our conversations right now. (laughs) Sorry um, if that offends you, Siri. Turn off. All right, but they're not a living thing. And so we can't blame them for negative things that happen in our world. Scripture's really clear. Money is not evil. First Timothy says the love of money is the root of all kinds of evil. Social media is not evil. Your love for it or your addiction to it or your dependency on it becomes evil. So we can't look at Instagram and Facebook and blah, blah, blah. There's new ones coming out. I don't even know. I'm like, have you heard of this? No, I hate social media. But anyway, it's like we can't look at them and be like, they're evil. What we do is we look at them and we can go, wow, they bring out evil. They bring out insecurities. They bring out fear. Sometimes they create fear. Uh, If you're here right now and you've just kicked your children out of their bedrooms to to sleep in the garage because their bedrooms are full of toilet paper and hand sanitizer, (laughs) then what I might propose to you is that fear has been created in here through what you were scrolling through when you should have been flicking through the word that says God hasn't given you a spirit of fear, but of power, love, and a sound mind. And and we so desperately need more sound minds in the world right now because I'm just surrounded by, say it in a nice way, unsound, non-sound minds. And that's the best, that's the safest way of saying it where I can keep it in the podcast. You can say that. I've got to keep some non-sound minds who have fights over toilet paper at Woolworths. Uh, And so let's see something that when we're not abiding in Jesus and drinking from him daily, we go to drink from the world and the world cannot satisfy us. So we're left thirsty and fearful and crazy. But when you have a daily relationship with Jesus Christ, there's fruit happening in your world that you couldn't do in your own strength that is amazing and God glorifying. And what fruit will produce much fruit? What fruit would he be talking about? Can we go back to John chapter 7, please, Katie? What fruit would he be talking about? What on earth could he be talking about when he says fruit? When he said living water, he was speaking of the Spirit. Is anyone, is he putting to... Galatians chapter 5, verse 22, speaks about the fruit of the Spirit. This penny's going to this light bulb moments. I love this. Come on now. When you abide in Jesus, when you have a daily, daily relationship with Jesus, in all your faults, in all your stumbling, in all your stuff-ups, if you have a daily relationship with Jesus Christ, where you're like, I just need you. 
I have a thirst this world cannot satisfy. I need you. I need revelation from your word. I need time in worship. I need you. Something starts to shift in here, water, and suddenly fruit starts to appear that you couldn't produce. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, gentleness, goodness, self-control, things that you cannot produce in and of your own strength, God starts to produce in you and through you. And it's a very basic picture, but it's when we say often because I really want to help us see it. A, a tree will just never strive to produce fruit, ever, ever, ever. A tree will break a concrete path. My wall right now, my fence, brick wall, is falling apart because branches are going through it. Trees don't strive to produce fruit. They strive to get water. You and I need to stop trying to fake love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, gentleness. Just, just get to Jesus. Just spend time in his presence. Just long for him more. Just drink this living water. If anyone thirsty, come and drink. And watch what happens. Fear is gone. Fear is gone. Suddenly those addictions that used to have a grip, that grip is loosening. Suddenly anxiety is going. Things are shifting. Things are changing. That bitterness that had a grip on your heart because you are being made holy by drinking Jesus' living water. It's loosening. It's, being, it's freedom. You are becoming more like him. You're forgiving quicker. You're loving people who deserve it now. You are being made holy through being with Jesus Christ. Thank you, Lord. Such a good God. So recognize that only God can do it. Recognize you have a thirst that only he can satisfy. You, you and I need to get in his presence more and more and more and more and more. And as much as I love having you guys here, there is a power about the church gathered on a Sunday morning that I think is incredible. Why, what about when we're scattered? What about Monday morning? Why don't we long for Jesus' living water at home? What, what habits could you set up? What practices could you set up? What disciplines could you set up at home? Serious question. What disciplines could you set up at home to create an opportunity for God's living water to fill you? What time of day best suits you? We'll read the word then. What time of day best suits you to worship? What time of day best suits you to pray? Well, just do that. But do something. Do something. Do something. Don't, don't leave here going, I haven't prayed in a month. I'm promised to pray three times a day, seven days a week for the rest of my life. It's like, okay, if you haven't done anything, let's just start it maybe three times a week for like... Three minutes. Like, how stupid does that sound? But it's something. It's something you can achieve. It's something you could do. I literally, you can have my phone and look at it. I have reminders in my phone that go off every day at nine and one, just to try and prompt me to pray because I forget so often. In the morning, it's pray for myself, my marriage, my kids. 1 p.m., it's pray for our church and our movement. I just need remind. How simple. I need to be prompted because I'm always getting distracted and busy. Just do something that reminds you that every day you need Jesus. And I'll finish with this if I can. Recognize, number one, God, only God can do it. Number two, you have a thirst that only he can satisfy. But I need us to catch this too. Is That's cool. Recognize that it's not just for you. Recognize that it's not all about you. Verse 38, rivers of living water will flow from his heart. Anyone who is thirsty, come to me and drink. So we, we, we drink, but it doesn't just stop. When you spend time in the presence of Jesus, he is not only focused on making you amazing. <laughs> he doesn't say, come to me and drink. And as the scripture declares, you'll be satisfied. And that's just stop. 
Rivers of living water will then flow from his heart. What God does in you, in his presence, is him wanting to do through you on Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday. It's not all about you. Uh, I, I wish... Um, I enjoy seeing people who have that revelation that they don't have to go into this world and take the gospel of God. Let me work that. Let me flesh that out. I enjoy talking with people who get the revelation that it's not works. I enjoy talking to people who get that they don't have to go and evangelize. They don't have to go up to some random in the street and have a discussion, invite them to church. They don't have to. But when you see certain people who just spend so much time with God that they want to invite their friends and their neighbors and their loved ones to church or into a relationship with God through prayer, that's, there's not much more that blesses me. That gives me such a joy when people see that Jesus wants to give us living water so he can flow through us. The fruit that he wants to produce in your world is more than likely not for you. You notice that? You notice that the fruit of love is for other people fruit of joy it's for other people around you fruit of patience the fruit of patience it's because other people around you need you to be patient with them like what God wants to do in you he doesn't want to stay with you he wants to go through you to other people because that's the work of being made holy by God that's sanctifying work it's God forever setting you apart for him to use you for his glory that's sanctification.